Hi, and welcome to Where the White Coats Come Off podcast. We are Katie and Beth, PAs and doctors of medical science who are here to help you get accepted into PA school, get through PA school, and then have a thriving career as a PA. So if you are a pre-PA, a PA student, or a physician assistant, then you are in the right place. We are so happy you are here and so excited for your future. If these episodes are helpful for you, please subscribe and leave a review and share it with a friend. Whether it be a pre-PA friend, a current PA student, or a fellow PA, we would be so grateful if you shared these episodes and spread the love. Today's episode is super fun. We are honored to have PAs Shane Foley and Jordan Fisher on the podcast today. Jordan and Shane have 15 years of clinical experience as PAs, teach and precept, and are owners of the PA Blueprint, which specializes in the actual career of being a PA, including career advancement, making money, avoiding burnout, and finding your dream job. Welcome, Shane and Jordan, and we are so happy to have you on our podcast. Hi. What up, guys? To start out, can you both tell us a little bit about your background as PAs? Sure. I'll start first. Jordan is pointing at me, so I'll start first. So I am Shane Foley, one half of the PA Blueprint duo here. So my background is in exercise science, like a lot of PAs, or a fair amount, I think. So I started there in my career and then subsequently decided to go to PA school. And then I went to University of New England, uh, which is where Jordan went as well, so he can explain how we know each other. Uh, more formally, but I graduated in 2012, and since then I have worked in primary care and also urgent care. So about 10 years in, or close to it at this point, and then I've also worked as an adjunct faculty member back at University of New England again, and precepted students for probably five or six years. And then sort of in my quote-unquote spare time, I started a blog called efficientclinician.com just because I thought I had something interesting to say and thought it would be an interesting creative outlet. So I started that first, and right around the time Jordan and I reconnected, and then we started the PA Blueprint, for which we wrote a book and have a blog going and a bunch of other stuff. So that's me in a nutshell up to this point. Jordan, how about you? Cool. I'm the other half. I'm Jordan Fisher, maybe the lesser half, some would say, of the PA blueprint. I am a PA currently practicing in urgent care. I've been a PA for coming up on five years now. I started my career in ENT, found myself getting pigeonholed or stuck in a specialty, so went totally other direction and did two years in emergency medicine, uh, learned as much as I could, and now I have transitioned to urgent care, which comes with its own stresses, but different stresses than, than the ER. Prior to school, I was in my undergrad trying to figure out where I wanted to go in medicine, did what a lot of your audience is doing or may have done, where you're trying to figure out, do I go into physical therapy? Do I go to medical school? Do I go to PA school? And I eventually ended on PA school, and I'm very happy that I did. Now, I want to dive a little bit deeper into your guys' business here. And so can you give us a little background, our listeners who have been not familiar, what exactly is the PA Blueprint, and then kind of what inspired you to start this and how it all snowballed from there? All right, I'll, I'll start with that one. So really, at the end of the day, the PA Blueprint is what we're calling continuing professional education. So this is education for current PAs, brand new PAs, PA students about the PA career. There's so much out there about learning, continuing to learn medicine and keeping up on your skills, but there's not a lot out there about how to optimize the PA career. And there's certainly a lot to it that you have to figure out as you go. And we wanted to create a handy guide that says, hey, these are, this 
is how to get the biggest bang for your buck out of the career and make some changes to uh, last longer, prevent burnout, uh, make more money, all important things as we work in our day-to-day jobs. It kind of came about from one, I created a book called P and X Steps, which was a guide from like graduation day one, where you finish school, you handed your diploma, and here's how to actually become a PA and practice, get licensed, etc. Um, but I realized that that still stopped short of the PA career. It went maybe into your first year, but what about the rest of it? I mean, this is a career we're doing for 20, 30 years. I need more guidance. And so we created this book. I really wish that I would have had something like that 12 years ago, 11 years ago when I graduated because it was it was overwhelming for sure. Just the whole process of like graduating and then what do you do next? And there wasn't much information. So that's awesome. What do you feel like is the most popular part of your business? Like what do people come to you the most for? I mean, I think the bulk of our business right now is uh, selling PA Blueprint. So that's actually been way more popular than we even anticipated, which has been great. But probably the part that we have enjoyed even the most would be presenting to PA programs. So some of this material to just kind of wet their whistle or, you know, we like to think of it like career terminology. You know, we all had to take medical terminology to just speak the language or pretend we could speak the language of medicine, right, to get started. But we just didn't find that to be the case when we started our careers. Like, we didn't really know about 403Bs or, you know, student loans. And I probably didn't even understand what, you know, principal was versus interest and whatnot. So so that's kind of been the part where we get probably the most questions, which is from students just sort of wondering about, jobs or compensation, things like that. And then our audience also asks us a lot about stuff we have in the book. So compensation, loan repayment, retirement accounts, burnout's a big one, um, kind of a hot topic that many of us are experiencing. It's like 50% of PAs will experience burnout. So, so we get a lot of questions about that as well. You know, you focus a lot on the PA career, what to do, but you also focus on the other things. And so a lot of times I think in school, we sort of, we don't get the other stuff. We don't get the, what is retirement? You know, what is rock versus traditional? Like, how do you pay up your student loans? What, what's, you know, what's good and what's bad? And, and, you know, as you said, all the principal and interest and stuff. So I think it's really, really great that you're helping the audience, not just with the PA career, but just kind of, kind of life stuff that maybe because we were, you know, had our head in the books and, and very much science-based, that a lot of times I think a lot of schools just overlook that as something like, hey, this, you know, our job is to teach medicine. But you're right, you, know, you come out as high earners, but you also come out as high student loan, you know, other stresses, burnout, you have all these things you have to worry about, right? So um, can you give our listeners maybe your best uh, two to three tips on kind of advice for brand new PAs? You just got handed your diploma, as you said. Uh, what are some of your top tips for our listeners? Yeah, I would say a couple things. One is start to learn this stuff now. So it's very easy because you're starting fresh, right? You don't have a lot of money to your name. In fact, you probably just mostly have debt to your name. So it's very important to learn right out the gate how to get rid of your student loans, how to budget, where do you have this beautiful new contract in front of you? Well, what does it mean? What does it mean to get an employer match? Where do I put my money in my retirement accounts? So the the biggest advice I, I think we have is, 
learn about this money stuff now at the start of your career because it's going to serve you for the rest of your career and it's much easier to make changes when you don't have any money versus you have a lot of money and not the best place. I think that's the biggest one. And then another big thing we talk about is contracts and proving your value. And if you start that on day one and see, here's how I really show what I'm worth to the practice, whether that's an above and beyond list, whether that's bringing your numbers to the table and showing how productive you are, whether that's learning new skills that bring in specific revenue. If you can build those skills and uh, learn those characteristics early on in your career, you set yourself up for many more raises than someone who isn't thinking about those things, isn't even asking for raises. Yeah, I'll just echo what Jordan said about finances in particular. It's not everything, but a lot of us were in careers where we made 30000 35000 40000 whatever, even $50,000 per year, and then all of a sudden you graduate and someone's willing to pay you 100000 or more maybe, potentially. And so all of a sudden you have more income than you've ever had, but you're also riddled with more debt than you've ever had. So it's an interesting sort of situation that you're now in. You think you're wealthy or you should be, but then if you don't play your cards right and you don't get yourself set up the right way, you're actually no better off than when you had your $50,000 job and less bills to pay. So it's kind of interesting, and and I've made a lot of mistakes, I'll admit, in my 10 years. I've learned a lot, sort of probably checked all the boxes, unfortunately, in the mistakes box. But nonetheless, you know, anyone can learn that. And if you can do it from day one, just get yourself situated well. And we talk a lot about that in the book, but there are a lot of other resources that are really good as well to help people just do the basics. Just set it right from day one. And it's not quite set it and forget it because you'll have to look you know, at your finances every once in a while. But for the most part, if you get yourself set up from day one, then you should be fine and do very well, in fact. Mistakes are the best way to learn, right? True, but they can be painful, can't they? Yes, they yes. can be. Yes. Oh, man. That's exactly what these books are, what they come from, is our mistakes. And again, like you said, it's here's what we wish we would have known. So we're just trying to pay that forward. Yeah, Beth and I work with a lot of pre-PA students, and we like to tell them that, you know, mistakes and failure, even though they're really difficult to go through, you'll never forget the lessons you learn from them, and then they never, you know, it never happens again, usually. So the same goes with PA students, that one Osler that you totally flunked, you'll never miss that diagnosis. Yeah, well said. it is totally true. Those are the things that just stick with you for the rest of your career. What tips do you have for pre-PA students? In regards to tips, I mean, for your sort of patient contact experience hours there, I would say find something that's challenging to you that you're interested in, but also is challenging. I feel like the students that I've precepted who have been sort of really beyond the others are those folks who did things like be an EMT or emergency department tech or things where you're close to the action. So maybe you're not the one who's in charge per se, and you might have some jobs that are duties, responsibilities that are not so great or glorious. You don't get to be the practitioner, but you get to clean up the mess or whatever, but you're so close to the action that you learn a lot through osmosis, through what you hear, through just being around that. Those were the folks whose sort of lexicon was more advanced from the start. They kind of knew what a beta blocker kind of was or when you used it. 
those folks just seem to do well, but they also had to interact with patients a lot and deal with situations. So I would say just make sure your patient contact experience is, is one that you enjoy, hopefully, but one that you really get good hands-on experience as much as you can within that role. The other thing that we like to tell sort of applicants is sort of try to personalize your application as much as possible as well. So if you're living close to the place where you're applying, drop it off in person. You know, wear something business casual, go to the office, introduce yourself and drop it off in person, even if they have a copy. Make an excuse why you're there, showing your face and letting them get to know you. My experience was... I mean, I only applied to University of New England, but I mean, I went and sat in on classes for a couple times, maybe two or three times, talked with students and got the opportunity to listen to a couple lectures, meet the faculty. So I have to think that helped get me into that school. And that's not always feasible if you're applying to 26 schools, but at least the ones that you really want to be a part of, maybe try to make that work if you can. Jordan, do you have anything else? This brought me back to interviews I've been involved in before, and so many of the times I feel like these students just have these rehearsed answers, which you need to rehearse and practice for an interview, right? But it didn't show what made them unique, what made them tick, what motivated them. I wanted to hear stories where it was like, oh, wow, that really inspired them, whether it was through their own injury, through a family member, through something they experienced, through a medical mission, I don't know, something where it's like, ah, that's what drives them. That's what's going to motivate them through this brutal process. And that's what's going to make me know they make uh, are going to make it and deserve to be here. But when I get the same answers from four students in a row, I, I feel like it just came out of a book. And it's like, that, that doesn't tell me anything about you. So my thing is, whether it's in your in your application process or more specifically in your interview, show how you're unique. Hey guys, before we finish with the rest of the gold of today's podcast with Shane and Jordan, we want to tell you about what's coming up next week for you. Sign up for our free personal statement workshop where we will show you how to pick the strongest theme for your personal statement and decide what to write about that will wow the PA programs you apply to. It's going to be Friday, January 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern. So go to the show notes and sign up. It's completely free and we will show you one of the biggest pieces of the puzzle of writing your personal statement what to write about that makes your personal statement stand out and make an impact. So go to the show notes and sign up. Now back to today's episode. Yeah, yeah, we always say that. Like, don't be afraid to let your passion shine because the reason why you want to be a PA is so important. And, you know, you need to be prepared but not rehearsed. And so I think we totally agree because we've all had those experiences where it just doesn't ring as true. And so it's more important to be genuine to who you are and your reasons and not try to pick out a reason that you think because someone on the forum said or because you read it somewhere is the best reason to be a PA, that everybody is individual. And that's what makes, I think, our profession so great. So um, I, I totally agree with you guys there. I did want to touch on something that you talked a little bit about earlier. You talked a little bit about burnout in the PA profession. And, you know, that's something that a lot of people don't really either know about or don't really want to talk about. But I think it's really important because, as you said, if you can figure out what to do first and kind of start right out of school, that maybe you can prevent that. So can you guys talk a little bit um, about burnout? So much of burnout, at least to begin with, is recognizing it. So students may look at the 
take a reflection of themselves and say, holy cow, I'm in school, but I'm burnt out. Because I think plenty of us were. I, I think my, I myself was pretty darn burnt out. I needed a break after school, right? I mean, you are you are head down, so singularly focused for two years that it's only rational that a human would get burnt out after that. But there's all kinds of evaluation tools out there and whatnot, which really just cause you to reflect on yourself and say, am I, wow, am I going from zero to a hundred way too fast? Is my, is my patience just running out, right? Am I getting mad at little patient encounters, little provider encounters? For me, that's the thing I realized because I work in acute care. So it's why do I let some consultant that yelled at me or belittled me why does that affect me for the whole day you know um so realizing when those little things are creeping in and then saying okay well how do i fix this and i'm gonna let shane talk about that yeah i mean one big picture you know the estimates are like 50 percent of pas will experience burnout in their career you know a little plus or minus there so it happens to most of us right so that's okay and it's fine i mean i'll readily admit i've been burned out multiple times you know what i've learned between my experiences and then, you know, writing a chapter in the book was just that it's common and the best thing you can do is to recognize your own symptoms. So anyone can look at a list of symptoms and say, oh yeah, I meet all of those. It's like when we're in school, we think we have every disorder uh, that we come across, right? It's like, oh yeah, I think I'm, I might be schizophrenic, maybe. Uh, <laughs> those are just, just generic enough for, for me to say yes to that. But you can look at those symptoms and they're pretty commonplace. You know, anyone who's had a hard week will experience some of those, but that doesn't mean you're burned out per se. It's sort of that persistence of those symptoms and how it affects your work, work life and then your personal life too. So if you know how that manifests, and for instance, you know, for me, I don't swear very much in my personal life, but I'll admit, I stare at that screen and when I'm burned out, you know, there might be some F-bombs that come out and they come out real quick and real sharp and that's just not who I am. And so when that starts to happen, I go, oh, ah, there I am. Like I hear it happen and the WTFs are coming out. So I know where I'm at and I know that's, that's burnout. So you got to know how it manifests in yourself and then you can treat it or better yet, you can try to prevent it, which everyone should be doing. That's just basic self-care. I mean, that's getting enough sleep. That's doing everything it can be to become more efficient in your job, eating healthy, mindfulness, whatever it is for you. I mean, that's the best cure is prevention really. Um, but when you're there, you need to know what to do. And it's not enough to like research burnout on Dr. Google and, and say, oh, okay, yeah, these are very generic symptoms and I think I've had that or whatever. But you need to know, like I said, you need to personalize it for yourself. And then what we have in the book too, I think is a good breakdown of the like common causes of burnout as they relate to medical professionals specifically. And then what we do in there is to like take the cause and then invert it and encourage people to do the opposite, right? So if everyone's running towards burnout in their careers, and these are the reasons why, don't do that, right? It sounds simple, but here's what we can do. Here are the action steps that you can do to prevent it in the first place. So there's a lot of information out there, a lot of good studies and whatnot. So it's how to use that information to your advantage, I think is a big thing as well. 
So you mentioned some tactical tips for preventing burnout, but what about our listeners that are like in the midst of it? What are some some uh, tactical things they can do who are like actually in it? Yeah. So a lot of what we talked about in the beginning, right, was about finances, right? So setting yourself up so that work potentially becomes optional. And so that's uh, why this whole book kind of ties together where if you can be on top of your finances, then what's the best way to fix burnout? Well, it's either time off, time away, or decreased time at work. Or frankly, uh, the cure for a lot of things is, oh, I actually don't have to work, right? It's amazing how someone's outlook changes when, oh, wow, I'm here by choice. And though this next patient is a doozy, I don't have to be here, but I'm doing it and I'm still helping them. And that mindset shift is huge. So for people that are in it, I, I say a couple things. I say, well, are you using all your PTO? If not, you need to be doing that. You need to be getting away from work when you can. You need to be sleeping right, eating right, all the things Shane said. But maybe this is a time you evaluate, Do I go? can I go to part-time? For me, when I was in the ER after a year, uh, I had the chance to go from 16 shifts to 14 shifts. What a difference just two less shifts made. Holy cow, I, I felt really recharged from that. And I felt, and if I wanted to, I could have gone even to 12 because my finances were in order. I was living below my means. And then from there, you can be even more dramatic in what you do and you can take a sabbatical. And that's something Shane has done multiple times. I've taken a couple. I'll be, I'll be brief. The first one was right after PA school. It was pretty fried at that point. So I drove cross country for about two months or so. The second, I did a bunch of hiking in the White Mountains of New Hampshire and then went down to South America for a bit as well in between jobs. And then the third, my wife and I bought an RV and took our dog across the country for a few months and lived in Costa Rica for a month. So we took like, I don't know, nine or 10 months off together. Awesome. That sounds fantastic. Love travel stories. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know you guys love travel and you have a, such an international aspect to your, to your business. So yeah, I mean, right there, we've got a lot in common for sure. So I love the fact that, you know, you and Jordan have really honed on the fact that, like, hey, if you can get your finances in order in the beginning, then you can have more power over your time and money. And so a lot of people think, like, hey, you know, financial freedom just means you don't want to work. And that's not really what it means. It means that you have the choice to decide what's best for you, that if you're burnt out, if you're overworked, if you want to switch specialties or go to part-time or whatever it is, that you know you don't have to stress about the finances that you can do what you need to do, and a lot of um, people still choose to keep working, but on their own terms. So if you know contracts change and they end up getting a, a boss or or a company that they don't want to work for, they can leave and take their time to find a new job, or they can do as as Jordan said, you know a few less shifts a month just to make their quality of life better. And I think that's really really important to realize that like hey, you know you can continue to work. Even if you're financially free and it's just you're going to work on your own terms and just sometimes the mindset of knowing that you can quit, that knowing that you don't have to be there, I really do think kind of changes the way you work, you show up and you present yourself. So I think those are really, really great points um, that you guys made. Yeah, it's that, you know, that perception of control is really powerful and it's not just for type A individuals. I mean, really to actually feel like you're in control of your life is a very powerful thing. And I don't know, at least for myself and my family, you know, knowing that we're on a good financial path helps with that. It lightens that load a little bit. It doesn't feel like such a burden that, 
oh, well, I know I have to slog away for another 25 years before I have the choice to whatever, retire, go to part-time, whatever. It just gives you freedom, and there's just power and freedom, and it's really just a liberating feeling overall when you have that. And finances are one way to do it. You can do it in other ways, but finances are one way where I think it's very tangible, Mm -hmm. Um, and you can see your progress. You can chart your course. So that's just one thing that I think is – you know, people can do to sort of make themselves more free than what they would have been uh, yeah. previously. I mean, as PAs, we talk about all the time how we're blessed with six-figure salaries, and that, again, is the biggest tool to get that freedom. It's the quickest and easiest way. Well, again, there are so many ways to do it, but it's something that any PA can do. Okay, so besides burnout, what are your other biggest frustrations about working clinically as a PA, and then what do you love about being a PA? I mean, I'll take the loving the PA life. So what I love about being a PA, I mean, truly in the end, it may sound cliched, but I really like to connect with patients, with people, and sort of helping them in a time of need. So I think that's why a lot of us get into medicine in general. It's a little bit altruistic, but I think it holds true for a lot of us. Um, And that's why we do it. I mean, I love the challenges too. And the challenges of sort of figuring out these algorithms or, you know, what's wrong with someone. I mean, that's always challenging. They come to you, they say, here's what's going on, and you have to take it from there. So I like that aspect. It really challenges my brain every day. So that's also good. And I feel like I grow constantly with the profession as well. Other things, more basic things. So the horizontal movement, being a PA, right, being able to shift if tomorrow I want to Go do cardiology. I can do that. That's great. I just have to convince someone I can do that for them reasonably, right? That's that's the biggest obstacle. But a lot of other professions are envious of PAs because of that. You know, our MD colleagues, DEO and NP folks, that's a great aspect. The pay, the benefits, let's be honest, it's good. Uh, it's great, in fact. So if you play your cards right, it can afford you the life you want. I mean, most lifestyles you can you can afford with it. Kind of on the flip side, things that frustrate me with with working in medicine are is sort of the actual lack of time with patients, which sounds a little bit like, wait, what? Are you saying you like that? Yes, I love that, but I spend more time on the computer than I do on the EMR than I do actually with patient contact hours. I was just looking the other day, and then the estimates are like the ratio is like two to one or even three to one. So two or three minutes for every one minute spent with a patient. So that's kind of a bummer, especially in like my specialty primary care. We're historically known as being EMR folks who have to be on for two hours outside of our clinical hours. So things like that are very frustrating. And then sort of lastly, one of the big frustrations is exactly the reason we built our business and wrote our book is that there just really isn't much great advice out there for the career. So we thought there was an educational gap and sort of we were hoping to fill it. Yeah. I mean, I guess I'll, I, I, I'm in acute care. I've been in acute care the past about three and a half, four years now. So it's just a difficult time to be in, I mean, on the front lines, right? Seeing COVID every single day. So I think I'm not alone and that that has been exhausting and 
it's getting old arguing with patients about this stuff. But I, I don't want to COVID test you just as much as you don't want to COVID test, but it is the world we're in right now. But hopefully things are headed towards a brighter future. Yeah, and so we talked a lot about, you know, you guys as TAs, you guys as entrepreneurs and all that amazing information. But one thing we ask everybody on our guests um, is who are you when the white coat comes off? So who is Shane and who is Jordan when the white coat comes off? Jordan's getting ready for snowboard season. So one of the beauties of being a PA is you can live pretty much anywhere, in the, at least in the U.S. I know you guys are certainly advocates for and showing how uh, internationally that is is the case, but going to be even better in the future. But right now, at least in the United States, you can live anywhere. So I myself live in a small ski town and have access to slopes five minutes from my door. So I am looking forward to that. Yeah, so Jordan and I actually, as it turns out, are like brothers from another mother, which it sounds like you are like sisters from another mister. So, again, a reason why I think we, we, we get along very well or will in the future. So Jordan and I like the same stuff. So I live five minutes from ski mountains in Vermont, so I like to ski. I'm not one of those border punks like Jordan. <laughs> but I, I like to ski and we both like to mountain bike. We like to hike. So we love the outdoorsy stuff. So we share that in common as well. And otherwise travel. I mean, we talked about that a little bit as well. I think we all sort of share that together, which is nice. Yeah. And otherwise just, I mean, I hope big picture that I'm not too dissimilar in my personal life than I am at work. I try to just be the same person and you know, I like to think I'm happy and friendly and humble and bring that to work and bring that back home so I don't have to, you know, play a role per se. You know, there's there's a certain amount we have to, right, in that position. But for the most part, I hope when I put my white coat on, I'm just about the same person as I, as I would be at home. The same thing when it comes off as well. Or at least that's my goal. Because then it's kind of seamless, right? It just seems like you just be you. For wherever you are, home, work, doesn't matter. Sounds like a good way to be. Well, thank you so much, Shane and Jordan, for coming on the podcast. Where can our listeners find you? And do you have any last words of wisdom? The wisdom is if you guys are listening to this, then you are ahead of the game. You are trying to learn on your own. You are dedicating your own time to better yourself. So keep that up. That'll serve you well throughout your whole life. So always be learning. Always learn about new things. There's so much out there. It's kind of, you can never be bored. So keep it up. We can be found at thepablueprint.com. That's where you'll find our blog, our book, resources we link to, people we enjoy. We'll soon enough have a link to the to you guys up on our site. And then we are also on Instagram at the PA Blueprint. So check us out there. We try to offer a lot of good information, little snippets for you guys to learn. And again, check out our website. We'd love to see you. Yeah. Wisdom. You know, if you're listening to podcasts, you're doing the right thing. Keep reading materials. Pre-PA clinic, you guys are doing a great job. So listen to the podcast and, and you can check out our blog, read our book, things like that. Just consume those resources because fortunately, you know, like we said, one of the problems is there wasn't much for career education. Now, you know, that gap is getting filled by fellow PAs. I mean, who can tell you better than your fellow PAs as opposed to you know, some career counselor or whatnot, not that they're bad per se, but, you know, we're living it with you. So yeah, just 
eat up, drink up this stuff because there's a lot of good material out there. As always, you can find the links in the show notes to get in touch with the PA Blueprint with Jordan and Shane. Thank you so much for listening to Where the White Coats Come Off podcast. Before you leave, Shane and Jordan are offering a discount code for the PA Blueprint. Go to the show notes for the link and type in the code PREPAClub20. Again, that's going to be in the show notes. Super generous of these guys and such a great episode today. One last thing before we sign off. Make sure you get into our application to acceptance course where we tell you everything you need to know to create your most competitive application. And we're doing something super exciting starting in February. We are doing live weekly coaching on every part of your application to help you create the strongest, most competitive application to get you into PA school. Thank you again for listening and we'll catch you at the next episode.